Chapter fifty five of A Hazard of New Fortunes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How did he take it? How could he bear it? Oh, Basil, I wonder you could have had the heart to say it to him. It was cruel. Yes, cruel enough, my dear, March owned to his wife when they talked the matter over on his return home. He could not wait till the children were out of the way, and afterward neither he nor his wife was sorry that he had spoken of it before them. The girl cried plentifully for her old friend who was dead, and said she hated Mr. Dryfoos, and then was sorry for him too. And the boy listened to it all, and spoke with a serious sense that pleased his father. But as to how he took it, March went on to answer his wife's question about Dryfoos, how do any of us take a thing that hurts? Some of us cry out, and some of us don't. Dryfoos drew a kind of long, quivering breath, as a child does when it grieves. There's something curiously simple and primitive about him, and didn't say anything. After a while he asked me how he could see the people at the hospital about the remains. I gave him my card to the young doctor there that had charge of Lindau. I suppose he was still carrying forward his plan of reparation in his mind, to the dead, for the dead. But how useless! If he could have taken the living Lindau home with him, and cared for him all his days, what would it have profited the gentle creature whose life his worldly ambition vexed and thwarted here? He might as well offer a sacrifice at Conrad's grave. Children, said March, turning to them, death is an exile that no remorse and no love can reach. Remember that, and be good to every one here on earth, for your longing to retrieve any harshness or unkindness to the dead will be the very ecstasy of anguish to you. I wonder, he mused, if one of the reasons why we're shut up to our ignorance of what is to be hereafter isn't because if we were sure of another world, we might be still more brutal to one another here, in the hope of making reparation somewhere else. Perhaps, if we ever come to obey the law of love on earth, the mystery of death will be taken away. Well, the ancestral puritanism spoke in Mrs. March, these two old men have been terribly punished. They have both been violent and willful, and they have both been punished. No one need ever tell me that there is not a moral government of the universe. March always disliked to hear her talk in this way, which did both her head and her heart injustice. And Conrad, he said, what was he punished for? He, she answered in an exaltation, he suffered for the sins of others. Ah, well, if you put it that way, yes, that goes on continually. That's another mystery. He fell to brooding on it, and presently he heard his son saying, I suppose, papa, that Mr. Lindau died in a bad cause? March was startled. He had always been so sorry for Lindau, and admired his courage and generosity so much, that he had never fairly considered this question. Why, yes, he answered, he died in the cause of disorder, he was trying to obstruct the law. No doubt there was a wrong there, an inconsistency, and an injustice that he felt keenly, but it could not be reached in his way without greater wrong. Yes, that's what I thought, said the boy. And what's the use of our ever fighting about anything in America? I always thought we could vote anything we wanted. 
"'We can, if we're honest, and don't buy and sell one another's votes,' said his father. "'And men like Lindau, who renounce the American means as hopeless, and let their love of justice hurry them into sympathy with violence, yes, they are wrong. And poor Lindau did die in a bad cause, as you say, Tom.' "'I think Conrad had no business there, or you either, Basil,' said his wife. "'Oh, I don't defend myself,' said March. "'I was there in the cause of literary curiosity and of conjugal disobedience. But Conrad—yes, he had some business there. It was his business to suffer there for the sins of others. Isabel, we can't throw aside that old doctrine of the atonement yet.' The life of Christ, it wasn't only in healing the sick and going about to do good, it was suffering for the sins of others. That's as great a mystery as the mystery of death. Why should there be such a principle in the world? But it's been felt and more or less dumbly, blindly recognized ever since Calvary. If we love mankind, pity them, we even wish to suffer for them, that's what has created the religious orders in all times, the brotherhoods and sisterhoods that belong to our day as much as to the medieval past. That's what is driving a girl like Margaret Vance, who has everything that the world can offer her young beauty, on to the work of a sister of charity among the poor and dying. "'Yes, yes!' cried Mrs. March. "'How—how how did she look there, Basil?' She had her feminine misgivings. She was not sure, but the girl was something of a poseuse, and enjoyed the picturesqueness as well as the pain, and she wished to be convinced it was not so. "'Well,' she said, when March had told again the little there was to tell, "'I suppose it must be a great trial to a woman like Mrs. Horn to have her niece going that way.' "'The way of Christ?' asked March with a smile. Oh, Christ came into the world to teach us how to live rightly in it, too. If we were all to spend our time in hospitals, it would be rather dismal for the homes. But perhaps you don't think the homes are worth minding? She suggested, with a certain note in her voice that he knew. He got up and kissed her. I think the Jim Crackeries are. He took the hat he had set down on the parlour table on coming in, and started to put it in the hall and that made her notice it. "'You've been getting a new hat.' "'Yes,' he hesitated. "'The old one had got—was decidedly shabby.' "'Well, that's right. I don't like you to wear them too long. Did you leave the old one to be pressed?' "'Well, the hatter seemed to think it was hardly worth pressing,' said March. He decided that for the present his wife's nerves had quite all they could bear. End of chapter 55